You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Welcome to A Date with Data. Our guests for today's episode are from the California Department of Education. I am joined by Dr. Jack Brimhall, who is the Interim Associate Director of the Special Education Division, and also Kishan Thorntona, who is the Education Program Consultant, who is also with the Special Education Division. And we're going to be discussing California's significant disproportionality data and systems, as well as how the state supports districts that have been identified with significant disproportionality. Welcome to both of you. Hey there. Happy (laughs) to be here. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having us. Yes. So just to get things going, if you could each just say a little bit about yourselves and your role in the California Department of Education. Um, Jack, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. So... I'm Jack Brimhall, and right now I'm the Interim Associate Director uh, with the Special Education Division at the California Department of Education. And one of my roles is ahead of the monitoring units. And we have a variety, we have actually five different, six different monitoring units. Hmm. Uh, Two of those units deal with significant disproportionality. And so we have consultants in those units that, that work really hard with districts that have been identified as significantly disproportionate. We have another two districts that work with districts, or two units, excuse me, that work with districts that are disproportionate. And I've been at the California Department of Education for the last 10 years. Before that, I was a high school principal. And before that, I was a high school English teacher. So happy to be here. Great, thank you. Happy to have you. Keyshawn, what about you? I am Keyshawn Thorntona, and I am one of the focused monitoring and technical assistance unit consultants at the California Department of Education. So I'm one of, I'm in one of the two units that Jack described as monitoring districts that are significantly disproportionate. I've been with the department for about 19, 20 years and worked with districts who were both uh, disproportionate and significantly disproportionate. I would say probably for the last six years and um, just excited about the, the work that we're doing with significant disproportionality and how the how the department is monitoring the work to ensure you know better student outcomes. Yeah, awesome. So to get things started, if you could maybe just describe for us how California identifies districts for significant disproportionality, maybe provide some context, a little bit about your methodology, how many districts are typically identified in a year, that sort of thing. Well, it's very, um, I, we don't do the actual, we meaning the two units mm-hmm. don't calculate, but our data unit calculates, mm-hmm. does all the calculations. And it's my understanding, it's very, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they do this with all of our districts and we have, um, Jack, probably what, 1500 districts? Yeah, we yeah. have over two, we have over 2000 districts in the state of California. So it's, it's big. It's a big mm-hmm. job to crunch all that data for everybody, not only so that you can see who's uh, significantly disproportionate, but you have to go backwards and see who's disproportionate first and then and then track it. So it's a big, big job for our data. Yeah, so they do all the risk ratios for 
every district in the areas of disproportionality, then they determine after determining the disproportionality for every LEA, those that are disproportionate for three consecutive years in the same areas are then identified as significantly disproportionate and then are determined in, or are placed in our monitoring system. And we have approximately, since 2020, um, we've had approximately, well, we started off with probably about 138 mm -hmm. districts that are identified, and it's just been over 110 districts identified every year thereafter. Wow. Yeah, and right now, to be identified for, dispro for dispro, to be in disproportionate, you would need to have a risk ratio of 3.0. Mm -hmm. And so that essentially means you're three times more likely to either be that, have that disability or to be suspended, those types of things. So we use 3.0 and, and Keyshawn uh, can talk about it more, but that's one of the, one of the areas in which uh, gets you into significant disproportionality but then we also have reasonable progress that can help you get out, mm -hmm. so. And our reasonable progress, we started a couple years ago as a result of our stakeholder, um, then we called it stakeholder, a SIGDA stakeholder group that we've had that, you know, we had that conversation about reasonable progress. And so our reasonable progress um, is a district under a risk ratio of 4.0 mm -hmm. and so it has to be an and, there's an annual 0.5 decrease in the risk ratio. So um, then they'll be considered for reasonable progress. Uh, would they have to be below a 4.0 all three years or just the most recent year? The most recent 4.0, gotcha. but have an annual decrease of 0.5. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what it is now. But as we continue to build our monitoring system, um, that might change with the consideration of qualitative data. Hmm. You know, it's really, you know, it's a lot of work because there's a lot of districts. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we're doing what we are, we should be doing. And one of the things that there is a lot of districts and we spend a lot of, of time working with those districts because we feel it's important, mm -hmm. but it's all rooted in data where our monitoring system is rooted in looking at the data, driving deep into the, into the data to come up with some root causes mm -hmm. for the underlying issue so that ultimately these districts hopefully not only just make progress, uh, but they are no longer disproportionate. And so it's all based in data and it's also based in, in implementation science. Mm -hmm. It's based in best practice. And we have folks that are experts in that area that we we have work with those school districts. So it's exciting. It's exciting. It's hard work, but exciting work. Yeah, I know. I've I've heard a bit from Keyshawn over the last couple of years about all the wonderful work you all are doing. And it is it's thrilling. And I think it's just a model that other, you know, states and, and districts would be curious to hear about and, and learn from. So once you have your group of, of districts that you know have been identified with significant disproportionality, how do you then notify them? What data or information are you sharing with them to let them know they've been identified and kind of what those next steps are? Every year we give what we call an annual determination letter. Mm -hmm. And normally that's released in mid-March. And uh, the annual de determination letter is going to indicate 
what monitoring level the local educational agency is in. And in our state, we have three different levels. We have a universal level of monitoring, which essentially means you've met just about all the indicators, all the targets. Mm -hmm. Targeted monitoring means you've missed some. So for example, districts that have been identified as disproportionate mm -hmm. would be in that targeted. And then intensive are the school districts that need the most intensive help and that we provide the most intensive help to. But if you're identified as significantly disproportionate, you'd be in that intensive tier. Mm -hmm. It's important to note you can be in the intensive tier without being significantly disproportionate. But anyway, that letter explains all that to the school district. It tells them what their tier is, mm -hmm. if they are significantly disproportionate, if they are disproportionate, tells them all they need to know, and then the next steps. And so once that letter goes out, then we start to actively monitor and work with the school district to come up with a plan. And, and like I said before, all of our monitoring now is rooted in, in data. Mm -hmm. So there's four steps to each plan. There's the looking at the data in step one, and not just one piece of data, by the way. We wanna triangulate variety a variety of data. So local data, indicator data, uh, California has a dashboard, which is really cool that, that breaks down like chronic absenteeism data, mm -hmm. uh, state performance plan indicator data. So data by the feds, all of these different pieces of data and qualitative and quantitative data. So it might be that you do case studies and empathy interviews. Mm -hmm. That's that step one where all that data is looked at. And then step two is where you take that data and now you start to develop some root causes around the data. Mm -hmm. And once you get those root causes, um, then you can start developing a plan that's based on that. And uh, with significant disproportionality, it's difficult because once you're significantly disproportionate, now you have to dedicate 15% of your IDEA funds, your, mm -hmm. your special education funds, to early intervening services. And so we need to have those funds tied to, to activities that are gonna support what's in that plan. Yep. And Keyshawn deals with this all the time, but the, the plan has to be approved before those funds can be spent. And so we wanna have a good plan, but it's also a race to get a good plan so that you mm -hmm. can start expending these funds so that then we can reimburse so they don't lose that 15%. And if you have well over 100 of those plans that need to be reviewed and approved, that's that's a big job too. Yeah, and Keyshawn can talk to that because she herself has mm. a number of plans and, and then they overlap, right? Because you might have you might have some new plans that go 27 months, but then if you're significantly disproportionate again, that's a whole separate set, whole separate pot of money, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you might have 15% of your, your IDEA funds toward early intervening services in one plan, but then if you're significantly disproportionate again, now you have a different pot of money. So then Keyshawn, if she's your monitor, she's got to track and watch, you know, two different plans at once. One one plan that's already in the implementation stage while trying to approve a new plan and those new activities toward that new money. Yeah, a lot of layers of complexity for sure. So and in addition to the ADL letter, um, you know, after the ADL letter goes out, the annual determination letter goes mm -hmm. out, the districts receive that. Then our contractor and partner, State Performance Plan Technical Assistance Project with the Napa County Office of Education, 
um, starts contacting the districts to front load some information um, through introductory videos and then also around the mandatory webinars that we have. Uh, we front load these introductory videos. They're about 10 to 30 minutes in length. And it's for LEAs to understand the why, how, and what around significant disproportionality and the process that they'll encounter as a result of their identification. Um, the front loading of information prior to the actual webinars present um, or offer information on the federal requirements, identification methodology, technical assistance facilitators, and a history of the significant disproportionality work, as well as the why the work is important and challenging mindsets. And so it's with these, with this information is like the start of creating that um, plan that Jack was just talking about mm -hmm. and um, really helping them, you know, create that foundational piece of knowledge so that they could begin to do all of the required work in creating their plan. Great. So kind of what what comes next then in terms of what the districts, you know, need to do and the resources and support that the state um, and your TA provider are, are providing the districts? So the California Department of Education has um, created the compliance and implementation monitoring process. Mm -hmm. And um, Jack talked about the steps that we have in this process. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's really important to point out in this process is having the right people on the bus to mm -hmm. begin with. It's so important to have the right um, leadership team. So that's normally like the superintendent and their cabinet across both general and special education. Um, a lot of this work is, or most all of this work is pre-referral work and having the partnership and understanding throughout the district um, is really important. So having the right people on, on the bus is um, the start. And then it leads to the creating that, the educational partners team that is required to then review all the data mm -hmm. um, that Jack referenced and all the different types of data to come to the root causes. That ed partners group is so important because generally they will be the ones that you know, are discussing the, those root causes, are coming down and narrowing down to the root causes that the district feels are contributing factors to significant disproportionality. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing is having the right people on the mm -hmm. bus. One of the other things that are, we call our monitoring process, the SIM, Compliance and Improvement Monitoring. Okay. Did I say that right, Jack? Um, but that process now requires for, uh, LEAs in significant disproportionality to do case study, hmm. do a case study. So, you know, we look at policies, practices, and procedures, and some districts do focus or uh, focus groups or empathy interviews to, to check their practices mm -hmm. as it relates to policies and procedures, but also that case study is really important in looking at the students that are identified. What is their journey in in their educational history? What happened? Um, and to really understand the students that they should be addressing. Hmm. 
And so that piece is is new in our process this year where it's required. And um, I'm excited for it because we've seen it done in the past, but it was optional work. Mm-hmm. Um, but now our with our new process, we've made it um, a requirement. Yeah, that's really neat because it seems like the practice piece is what a lot of states and districts struggle with in terms of how to to measure that and mm-hmm. how to implement, you know, that review. Um, and that's a really innovative way you're talking about being able to, it sounds like, do a really thorough job of kind of checking for those those practices and ensuring that they are appropriate. Yeah, California has really been focused on the qualitative data. Mm-hmm. Getting that qualitative data in all these different ways is really part of the driving force as well as the quantitative data that we've always used in the past. Well, you all are very, it sounds like it has a data-rich process in place. It's it's not only is it data-rich, Keyshawn mentioned it, it's, you know, that partner team and Mm -hmm. getting in general ed as part of it, because it's a general education plan. These funds Mm -hmm. and these activities are, are are spending funds towards early intervening education. It's not special education. You know, it's special education funds that are going toward general education. Mm-hmm. So essentially it's a general education plan and and special education students are general education students first. So uh, we feel like it's that that's a huge a huge part of it is getting everybody together, the gen ed with the with the special ed, and then using quantitative with the qualitative. It's, it's a process. It's not a sit and get. It's a, it's a process of improvement. I think another piece that I left out, too, is how heavily involved parents are in this process. Hmm. We require parent input, um, parent partnership, really, especially on the educational partners team um, in determining those root causes. Mm-hmm. So it's not districts doing it alone. Parents are involved. Parents of the identified group is involved. And so we really are looking at the process in which districts took to get their plans, to create their plans. That's really important in this. Yeah, that's that's a really great um, strategy that you described, especially with those teams and, and the composition of them, making sure to include families and, and general education has to be at the table. Um, so it sounds like you all have have really done some great work in, in making sure that that is a is a piece of what the districts are are doing. Are there? We're, try, we're trying. Sure. <laughs> I know easier said than done, but yeah. <laughs> that is the goal. It's still definitely a work in progress. Mm-hmm. We're constantly looking at our process and and um, seeing what works best and yeah. and how we could support better. Um, and so we're constantly looking at that, I think, but for the foundation of the, our system, that's in place, but, you know, how we go about it. Um, we always want to be reflective of, of our districts and, and what we're seeing and what we want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to that end, what do you have coming up next? for significant disproportionality in California? Are there any new resources or activities, um, changes you're thinking about making? What does the future look like? Well, we're always doing webinars mm-hmm. and our webinar webinars are determined like based on what our 
uh, districts, we see the need. Um, MTSS is a huge uh, topic. Mm-hmm. EL is a huge topic. Um, discipline. So those are things that we focus on as we um, provide webinars throughout the year for our districts to take part in. Um, we always look at the new uh, articles that come out, the academic articles mm-hmm. that come out related to student success, how to support students, how to support uh, districts and staff, um, how to build out systems. A lot of districts are still in that process of creating their foundation and building on it. Um, so we really look at what districts need. And so we constantly try to provide the webinars, mm-hmm. provide the additional resources by of you know, reading resources. Uh, we partner with other uh, providers that are expertise in certain areas. And so if we see a need of our, you know, of a district needing something that uh, we know there is support available. We offer that support. Um, so that's constantly changing all mm-hmm. the time, uh, depending on what's new that comes out. I think one of the biggest things that we're doing now is really focusing on which, you know, the implementation piece. Mm-hmm. That is huge. And, you know, we've talked about that in the peer-to-peers for months now. Yeah really looking at implementation and focusing on implementation. How can we support that implementation piece? That's huge, I think, moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, what we're hearing from a lot of states is, you know, they sort of are at a place where they've, you know, been identifying districts. They feel like the methodology they have down and, you know, notifying the districts. Um, But then how do you address the issue? What are some of those practices that really seem to be effective and our districts really implementing them with fidelity? So that evaluation and monitoring piece as well. Yeah, that part is so hard because every district is so different. Mm -hmm. The demographics, the size, the in every district is so different. And so trying to see what works, what works best um, is really difficult. Right, because what what might work in one context, you know, may not absolutely in another. Well, thank you both so much. You shared so much wonderful, interesting information. I learned some things, and hopefully, others that are listening have as well. So, really appreciate you coming on and and telling us, you know, your story from from California and how this has all been going. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.